Section 17 of Just 16. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Claire. Just 16 by Susan Coolidge. Imprisoned. The big house stood in the middle of a big open space, with wide lawns about it, shaded by cherry trees and lilac bushes. Toward the south, an old-fashioned garden, and back of that the apple orchard. The little house was on the edge of the grounds, and had its front entrance on the road. Its doors were locked, and its windows shuttered now, for no one had lived in it for several years. Three little girls lived in the big house. Lois, who was eight years old, and Emmy, who was seven, were sisters. Kitty, their cousin, also seven, had lived with them so long that she seemed like another sister. There was, besides, Marianne, the cook's baby, but as she was not quite three, she did not count for much with the older ones, though they sometimes condescended to play with her. It was a place of endless pleasure to these happy country children, and they needed no wider world than it afforded them. All summer long they played in the open air. They built bowers in the feathery asparagus. They knew every bird's nest in the syringa bushes and the thick gelder roses and were so busy all the time that they rarely found a moment in which to quarrel. One day in July their mother and father had occasion to leave home for a long afternoon and evening. "'You can stay outdoors till half-past six, Mrs. Spencer said to the little girls. "'Then you must come in to tea, and at half-past seven you must go to bed as usual. You may play where you like in the grounds, but you must not go outside the gate.' She kissed them for good-bye. "'Remember to be good,' she said. Then she got into the carriage and drove away. The children were very good for several hours. They played that little Marianne was their baby and was carried off by a gypsy. Lois was the gypsy, and the chase and recapture of the stolen child made an exciting game. At last they got tired of this, and the question arose, What shall we do next? I wish Mother would let us play down the road, said Emmy. The noise children's mother lets them. I'll tell you what we'll do, said Lois struck by a sudden bright idea let's go down to the shut-up house that isn't outside the gate oh lois yes it is you can't go to the front door without walking on the road well who said anything about the front door i'm going to look in at the back windows mother never said we mustn't do that still it was with a sense of guilt that the three stole across the lawn and they kept in the shadow of the hedge as if afraid someone would see and call them back Little Marianne and her rag-doll in her arms began to run after them. "'There's that little plague tagging us,' said Kitty. "'Go back, Marianne. We don't want you.' Then, when Marianne would not go back, they all ran away and left her crying. The shut-up house looked dull and ghostly enough. The front was in deep shadow from the tall row of elms that bordered the road, but at the back the sun shone hotly glowed through the low dusty window of a cellar and danced and gleamed on something bright which lay on the floor within what do you suppose it is said emmy as they all stooped to look it looks like real gold perhaps some pirates hid it in there and no one has come since but us or perhaps it's a mine cried lois a mine of jewels see it's all purple like the stones in mother's breastpin wouldn't it be fun if it was we wouldn't tell anybody, and we could buy such splendid things. We must get in and find out, added Kitty. Just then a wail sounded close at hand, and a very woeful, tear-stained little figure appeared, 
it was Marianne. The poor baby had trotted all the long distance in the sun after her unkind playfellows. "'Oh, dear, you little nuisance! What made you come?' demanded Emmy. "'I aren't too,' was all Marianne's explanation. "'Well, don't cry. Now you've come, you can play,' remarked Lois, and Marianne was consoled. They began to try the windows in turn, and at last found one in the woodshed which was unfastened. Kitty scrambled in and admitted the others, first into the woodshed and then into a very dusty kitchen. The cellar stairs opened from this. They all ran down, but, oh, disappointment! The jewel mine proved to be only the half of a broken teacup with a pattern on it in golden lilac. This was a terrible come-down from a pirate treasure. Sure, said Kitty, only an old piece of crockery. I don't think it's fair to cheat like that. Little Marianne had been afraid to venture down into the cellar, and now stayed at the top waiting for them. Let's run away from her, suggested Kitty, who was cross after her disappointment. So they all hopped over Marianne, and, deaf to her cries, ran upstairs to the second story as fast as they could go. There were four bare, dusty chambers, all unfurnished. There she comes, cried Kitty, as Marianne was heard climbing the stairs. Where shall we hide from her? Oh, here's a place. She had spied a closet door, fastened with a large, old-fashioned iron latch. She flew across the room. It was a narrow closet with a shelf across the top of it. Hurry, hurry, called Kitty. The others made haste. They squeezed themselves into the closet and banged the door, too, behind them. Not till it was firmly fastened did they notice that there was no latch inside or handle of any sort, and that they had shut themselves in and had no possible way of getting out again. Their desire to escape from Marianne changed at once into dismay. They kicked and pounded, but the stout old-fashioned door did not yield. Marianne could be heard crying without. There was a round hole in the door just above the latch. Putting her eye to this, Lois could see the poor little thing, doll in arms, standing in the middle of the floor, uncertain what to do. Marianne, she called, here we are in the closet. Come and let us out. That's a good baby. Put your little hand up and push the latch. You can, if you will, only try. I'll show you how, added Kitty, taking her turn at the peephole. See, come close to the door, and Kitty will tell you what to do. But these mysterious voices speaking out of the unseen frightened Marianne too much to allow her doing anything hopeful. A tant, a tant, she wailed, not venturing near the door. Oh, do try, please do, pleaded Lois. I'll give you my china doll if you will, Marianne. "'And I'll give you my doll's bedstead,' added Emmy. "'You'd like that, I know. "'Dear little Marianne, do try to let us out. "'Please do. We're so tired of this old closet.' "'But Marianne repeated, "'Turnt, turnt!' "'And at last she sat down on the floor and wept. "'The imprisoned children wept with her. "'I've thought of a plan,' said Emmy at last. "'If you'll break one of the teeth out of your shell comb, Lois, "'I think I can push it through the hole and raise the latch up.' "'Alas!' The hole was above the latch, not below it. Half the teeth were broken out of Lois's comb in their attempt, and with no result except that they fell through the hole to the floor outside. At intervals they renewed their banging and pounding on the door, but it only tired them out and did no good. It was a very warm afternoon, and as time went on the closet became unendurably hot. Emmy sank down, exhausted on the floor, and she and Kitty began to sob wildly, Lois alone kept her calmness. Little Marianne had grown wonderfully quiet. 
Peeping through the hole, Lois saw that she had gone to sleep on the floor. "'Don't cry so, Kitty,' she said. "'It's no use. We were naughty to come here. I suppose we've got to die in this closet, and it is my fault. We shall starve to death pretty soon, and no one will know what has become of us till somebody takes the house, and when they come to clean it and they open the closet door they will find our bones.' Kitty screamed louder than ever at this terrible picture. "'Oh, hush!' said her cousin. "'The only thing we can do now is to pray.' God is the only person that can help us. Mamma says he is close to every person who prays. He can hear us if we are in the closet. Then Lois made this little prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, we have been naughty and came down here when Mamma didn't give us leave to come. But please forgive us. We won't disobey again, if only thou wilt. We make a promise. Help us. Show us the way to get out of this closet. Don't let us die here with no one to know where we are. We ask it for Jesus Christ's sake, forever and ever. Amen. It was a droll little prayer, but Lois put all her heart into it. A human listener might have smiled at the old turn of the phrases, but God knew what she meant, and he never turns away from real prayer. He answered Lois. How did he answer her? Did he send a strong angel to lift up the latch of the door? He might have done that, you know as he did for Peter in prison. But that was not the way he chose in this instance. What he did was to put a thought into Lois's mind. She stood silent for a while, after she had finished praying. Children, she said, I have thought of something. Kitty, you are the lightest. Do you think Emmy and I could push you up onto the shelf? It was not an easy thing to do, for the place was narrow. But at last, with Lois and Emmy boosting, and Kitty scrambling, it was accomplished. Now, Kitty, put your back against the wall, said Lois, and when I say one, two, three, push the door with your feet as hard as you can while we push below. Kitty braced herself, and at the word three, they all exerted their utmost strength. One second more, and, oh, joy, the latch gave way and the door flew open. Kitty tumbled from the shelf, the others fell forward on the floor. They were out. Lois had bumped her head, and Emmy's shoulder was bruised, but what was that? They were free. "'Let us run, run!' cried Lois, catching Marianne up in her arms. "'I never want to see this horrible house again!' So they ran downstairs and out through the woodshed into the open air. Oh, how sweet the sunshine looked, and the wind felt, after their fear and danger! Their mother taught them a little verse next morning, after they had told her all about their adventure and made confession of their fault and Lois said it to herself every day, all her life afterward. This is it. God is never far away. God is listening all the day. When we tremble, when we fear, the dear Lord is quick to hear, quick to hear and quick to save, quick to grant each prayer we make, for the precious gift he gave, for his son, our Saviour's sake. I love that hymn, Lois used to say, and I know it's true, because God heard us just as well in that little bit of a closet as if we had been in church. End of section 17 Recording by Claire